With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome back to the Alpha Male Podcast. The podcast where we talk about being an alpha male. Strong, dominant, and in control. Made in the image and likeness of our creator, God Almighty. We don't apologize for that. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. The idea is to give a shorter episode on a single brief topic. And the idea is not to place the deeper dives and philosophical episodes that we do here, but to supplement them in what I hope will become a series called Manly Pursuits on different skills or different hobbies. I think part of being an alpha male is being a polymath. No, polymath is just a fancy way of saying a jack of all trades. You've probably heard that before. I don't think that a man should be a jack of all trades and a master of none. I don't really like that saying, but I think you ought to have... I think we've all been given talents by God to varying degrees, and you should develop those talents and maybe even discover new talents. I think that's part of being a man is challenging yourself and... Some of these skills we talk about, some of you may know, some of you may not. But that's the idea of this series. I'll roll into a brief, abbreviate a bio, and then into the main body of the topic. First and foremost, I'm a Christian. I don't apologize for that. God is number one. I hope that comes out in everything that I do. And this podcast is no different. I joined the Marine Corps at 17, did a couple of combat tours in Iraq. After that, I was an earthquake instructor for the Marine Corps. I serve in the U.S. Army, both full-time and part-time National Guard. I've also been a law enforcement officer, served with LAPD, regular assignments, more specialized assignments. I've been a private contractor for a three-letter government agency I won't specify. The commander of a tactical team in a large metropolitan area where our primary job was to stop active shooters. I've been a professional hunter and guide. Hunting and guiding for and slaying all manner of beasts. From wolves and bear to bison and elk and mule deer and white-tailed deer and exotic animals. I started hunting even before I joined the Marine Corps. When I was a young, much younger than I am today. I also started shooting and competition shooting even before I joined the Marine Corps at 17. I've been blessed with more shooting competitions than I can remember. Uh, enough about my background. First and foremost, I'm a servant of God. Blessed be the Lord my rock who trains my hands for war fingers for battle. With that, guys, let's roll into today's topic. Today's manly pursuit is going to be butchering. Now, it's that time of year. You're here in America listening, and I know I have some international listeners, and I appreciate you guys. Maybe it's this time of year there, too. But the time of year of hunting season and hunting season wrapping up. Now, if you've listened for any length of time, you'll know that we've done whole episodes on hunting and how important I think it is. And as I alluded to, I've been a professional hunter and guide. But not all hunting is about just killing the animal. Yes, 
I appreciate going out, stalking up on an animal, getting close to it and killing it. The firearm or with a bow or with something else, taking that animal and harvesting it and eating it. And I don't apologize for it. But a large part of hunting, you know, unless you pay somebody else to do it, but a large part of hunting happens after that shot is taken and after that animal is on the ground. And if you're thinking, I'm not going to hunt and I can't hunt where I live or whatever, first of all, be careful saying what you can't do because if you say that, you're generally right. And next is you can use the skill of butchering even if you don't hunt. You know, a lot of times there's local farmers, local ranchers where you live. You may be able to connect to somebody on a local level and buy a whole animal and butcher it yourself. That's just another way to do this. Or obviously if you raise livestock on your own or if you want to get into raising livestock, butchering is part of that. But butchering is a thing that we as men have been doing for who knows how long generation after generation and it's not a hard skill to do it's like a lot of skills it's it's easy to do and get into and i'm sure it takes a lot to master it like if you saw a matcher a master butcher would probably be far in excess of skill even of what i have because i don't do it every day i've done it for quite a long time but i don't generally do it every day I have done it professionally as being a part of, part of a professional guide. That was part of the thing that I did was either help people butcher their animals or just do it for them if they didn't want to do it. But I encourage you to do it yourself. So I think no matter what, you could get into the skill of butchering. Even if none of those three things we talked about apply, you could probably go to a store, to a local butcher or a local store that sells you know, whole food and buy an entire animal. Even if you went and bought an entire raw chicken or turkey and decided to butcher it yourself or just, you know, decided to go in and buy a half a lamb. And lamb is by far some of my favorite meat. You know, going and butchering that yourself. So I think it's for, it could be for just about every man, this skill. So let's talk about the two main ways that I know of butchering a whole animal. So if we're talking about most most animals, most mammals or a bird, they generally have a head, a neck, and four limbs. So there's what I would call the eastern way, the way I grew up knowing how to do it, and the western way. Now the eastern way, I call it that because if you live east of the Mississippi River, generally if you're hunting, you know the population density is much higher. And you're generally within the area of a road where if you kill something, you can generally drag it to a road and get it back whole to where you're going to butcher it. So this method is this. You take the animal, you get it to where you're actually going to butcher it. <clears throat> you make two small incisions in the back legs right by where their ankle would be. And you'll see the tendon and the back of the leg that runs there. You poke a hole right there a small hole and you put a stick in between those legs and spread them out their back legs and then you take a piece of rope or chain or something and hoist them up by their back legs while they're hanging in the air from their back legs you make a small cut around both legs just under that hole that you poked in there being careful not to cut that tendon because then obviously the animal is going to fall down but obviously, you know, you need a piece of rope or a piece of string, depending on how big the animal is. You need a stick. 
you don't need a lot to do this. And then you hoist that animal up in the air. You run a Y-shaped incision from when you cut all the way around the skin, the height of the animal, and you cut that Y incision down to the private parts of that animal, down to the reproductive organs, kind of in a, a large V, and then you start down there from a Y. Then you cut all the way down to the base of the, the chin, and then you fork out and cut the forelimbs, cut a straight line down to the forelimbs. So if you're picturing this in your head, you have a straight line from each one of the limbs going to the center of the body and a straight line incision down the center of the body. And then all you do is just start peeling that hide off. You pull it. Sometimes it'll come off easy depending on the animal, depending on the temperature, depending on a lot of things. You can only pull it really hard. And when it gets stuck, you take a knife and you cut in between the hide and the meat. You might be a little sloppy at first. You might cut into the meat a little bit. You might cut into the hair a little bit. You know, but that's okay. You're learning. Don't worry about messing it up. There's really nothing you can do to really mess it up here. So basically all you have to do, there's no really no wrong way to do it. There's better ways and there's better skill, but just take the hide off the animal. It's, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science here. People have been doing this for thousands of years. A lot of times they did it with just a piece of sharp stone. You don't need a lot to do this. So peel the hide off that animal. When you get all the way up to the base of the neck, to the chin, most people just cut the head off because most people don't eat the brain. So you just cut the head off and get rid of it. You're generally not going to eat the head or the eyeballs or anything unless you really want to. And then the next part, this is where you want to be a little bit delicate. Right where you know the belly is, that thin piece of skin that holds the guts in, you want to make a very careful very delicate incision. Take your time on this. If you do this wrong and you're not accustomed to it, you may vomit. I mean, if you cut the inside of the guts, it's going to smell really bad. If you do it right and you make the right incision and don't cut into the guts, you can generally take all the guts out whole and it doesn't smell pleasant, but it doesn't smell too bad. So you make a small incision around the private parts where the belly is and you split that animal open up to the base of the rib cage very delicately. Once you make a small incision, reach your hand inside the animal with the knife, with your finger on the tip of the knife, and pull out. Just so you're pulling on the skin and not the guts. You don't want to cut those guts open. I don't want to, I don't want to overemphasize that, but that's important. So cut all those out to the base of the ribcage. When you get to the base of the ribcage, if those guts haven't fallen out already, then you just reach in there and pull them out. You just worry about the guts. The other stuff you don't have to be delicate with. Obviously, the lungs are going to be in there. The heart's going to be in there. All that stuff. But that stuff doesn't really stink if you cut into it. So don't worry about it. Just once you get the guts out, delicately reach in there and pull all the other stuff out. Um, I would really encourage you to try eating the heart and the liver. Those are some of my favorite parts of the animal. The heart is delicious. The liver is just packed full of nutrients and really good for you. You know, in hunter-gatherer societies, that's some of the first things they go for to eat is the is the internal organs. So I'd encourage you to keep those and try those if you want. Anyway, get obviously all the insides out. And then that's pretty much the hardest part of this. The next part of this, there's a lot of ways to do it, but there's really no wrong way to do it. All you're really doing is taking meat off of the animal. It's that simple. If you want to be a true alpha male, a real savage, you can cut the legs off whole. 
And if you want to have, you know, a feast for Passover or for whatever, cut that leg off whole and have a whole roast of a leg. And that's pretty awesome because you generally won't get that at the store. You know, the entire leg of a deer or something like that, the entire leg of a lamb. You generally won't find the whole thing. If they call it leg of lamb, it's like a little small section. You know, if you cut off a giant leg of lamb, that's pretty cool. So you can cut the legs off whole. You know, like I said, it, it's not super hard. Just find out where the joint is, cut around the joint, and then pull it really hard. It'll come off. Um, and then if you don't want to do a whole meat on the bone, just start cutting meat off of bone. The more you do it, the better you get at it. The first one you do, it'll probably look pretty savage. That's okay. If you're taking meat off of bone, you're really not doing it wrong. You just may not be doing it as efficiently as you could, but just take the meat off the bone. And once you get most of the meat off the bone, that's it. Give the scraps to your dog or whatever. The other way to do this is going to be the Western method. Now, the Western, I call it the Western method. The Western method. I don't know that anybody else calls it that, but I learned it after growing up on the East Coast and going out West. Because generally, there's a lot of times you'll be miles in the backcountry and you're not dragging an 800 pound elk. You know, you may be going over miles and miles of mountains. So this way is I'd call the Western method. Some people call it the gutless method. But what you do is when the animal's down, you kind of go the other way in that you start at the base of the skull and you cut a straight line down the center of the back all the way to the base of the tail. And then you peel the skin down that way. And as you're going, as you're peeling the hide off the meat, when you get a good section of that uncovered, you take the meat off the bone and throw it in your sack, throw it in your cloth, and put it in your pack. So you can do it that way. And if you do it right, you get all the way down. You haven't even disturbed the guts or the inside of the animal. And then if you want the internal organs, you can make a small incision near where the base of the rib cage ends and reach inside there and grab the liver and grab the heart and all that stuff without ever disturbing the guts. And that's called the gutless method. And you can pretty much take the vast majority of the meat off the bone. You can never get 100%, but you can get all the vast, vast majority of the meat off the bone like that. And generally, if you're doing the Western method, you, you're not going to take the entire leg because bone is pretty heavy. And if you don't have to pack all the bone out, then you probably don't want to because you may be, like I said, going miles in the back country. But the, the method is the same. You take the hide off and you take the meat off the bone. Like I said, people have been doing this for thousands of years, a lot of different ways in a lot of different cultures. But if you're getting meat off the bone and putting meat, you know, a way to preserve it, then there's really no wrong way to do it. Um, if you live somewhere humid and hot, you might want ice. If you live somewhere that's dry and cold, you probably don't need it. Just throw it in a sack. You'd be amazed at how long meat lasts. If you take care of it and you get the guts out of it right away and you, you bleed the animal. Oh, I forgot to mention that. So that's one thing that I do and I like to do as soon as I get to that animal. Cut the throat and let that blood out. That's really going to help with the taste of the meat. That's really going to help it stop from spoiling. It's also a commandment in the Bible. Obviously, God must have wanted his people to hunt because it says in the Torah, in the Old Testament, when you when a person hunts. So obviously, it was expected that they would hunt. And when you do that, you spill their blood on the ground. And that does a lot of things. So when you get up to that animal, slit that throat open and let that blood out. It'll stop the meat from spoiling. It'll preserve it better. It'll help the taste. It'll get all that stuff out, and plus you're commanded to do it. Real easy if you're doing the Eastern method. Um, 
you cut that throat. And then when you hoist it up by the back legs, even more should come out. They sell meat bags. If you want to get them, they're just like mesh, like cheesecloth bags. You can use those if you want, if you're hiking the meat out. If not, then just, you know, package it however you want. Like I said, it's not rocket science. Take the meat. If there's any blood or any part that shot up or anything like that, cut it out. If it looks like something you don't want to eat, take it out and throw it away. If it looks like good, delicious meat, then preserve it. When you get better at this, you'll learn how to cut steaks and cut chops and all that stuff. But really, like I said, just get the meat off the bone. You know, you can wrap it up in the plastic wrap that's very common today. You can wrap it up in butcher paper. If you're trying to do it on the cheap, you can literally like wrap it up in wax paper and newspaper, put a piece of tape on it. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Don't think that this is some, you know, crazy skill that it's super hard. Like I said, people have been doing it since there have been people hunting and doing all that stuff. And a lot of times they did it with just a sharp piece of stone. So don't let that hinder you from trying this manly pursuit. Try butchering your own food. Try doing that. I think part of being a man is providing. Being able to provide for yourself and others. And what's a... You know, what's a good illustration of that is literally putting meat on a table. So if you never thought about butchering your own food, you know, even if you live in a city, even if you live somewhere you can't hunt, think about looking up somebody local and buying a whole animal and, you know, dispatching that animal, cutting its throat, you know, and butchering that animal. Or think about maybe raising your own livestock. Or I would encourage you to think about going out and hunting. Or maybe if you can't do any of those things, look for somewhere where you can buy a whole animal. One, you'll get the experience if you ever actually have to or get to, I should say get to, actually go hunting. And two, you'll also get the experience of doing it with your own two hands. And I think that is rewarding in and of itself. I have a saying, I don't know if anybody else says it, but manual labor is good for the soul. Working with your hands is, I think, good for a man, especially... For a lot of men that live in what I would call the cube or you, you know, you sleep in a box, you wake up in a box, you get in a box and drive to another box and then go sit in your smaller cubicle box. You know, getting outside, getting your hands dirty and bloody, your own hands, I think, is a good manly skill. All right, guys, with that, I'll start wrapping up this episode. I hope you like the what hopefully by God's grace will be the start of a series you know, manly pursuits. And we'll cover a, a lot of different ones, hopefully, if you guys like this format. If you like this podcast, you may like Simple Man Sermons. If you care about the important stuff, the preachings of a simple man called by God to share the good news of Jesus Christ. If you like the guns and the tactical stuff and the hunting stuff and firearms, check out Gunfighter Life. As you heard in the bio, I've been a professional gunfighter for most of my adult life, and I try and pass that first-hand knowledge and experience that God's given me to others. So you can check out those podcasts. You can check out all of that under the umbrella of goodshepherdtraining.com. Goodshepherdtraining.com. If you want to support the podcast, you can scroll down to Patreon and support for as little as a dollar. These podcasts are free for you to listen to. I like it that way, but sadly, they're not free to produce. And we hit a milestone recently. By God's grace, we're very blessed that 
the the provider that provides all these, there's a host that I upload to that houses all these podcasts. Recently, after years of podcasts and reached the limit of podcasts that they would host. And so I couldn't upload anymore. And if it wasn't for the generous support of listeners, I probably would have just went back and deleted older episodes. And I'm not like this computer savvy guy. I'm talking into a laptop. A lot of times I talk into an iPhone. I don't have a giant server somewhere with all this content. So I probably would have went back and deleted the older episodes. They just would have been gone. So you wouldn't have been able to go back and listen to those. So I really am generally humbled that God blesses me with supporters that listen and want to support that way. So if you want to support, again, goodshepherdtraining.com. Scroll down to Patreon. If you already do that, I thank you. And if you... Want to give, give, and if not, don't, and don't feel guilty about it. I have no doubt that God supplies and will supply all my needs. If you want to support in other ways, don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Leave a review of the podcast. Leave a rating. And as a thank you for staying tuned till the end of the episode, I'll give you a tactical tip. This one, I'll give you probably two. They both involve the topic that we talked about today. One is a brand. One of my go-to places for shopping, for hunting, and shooting is Midway USA. They're not a sponsor of mine. I have no sponsors. I take no bribes. They don't. I don't get anything from them other than they're a good provider. Usually when I buy stuff, it shifts fast. But Midway USA. And they carry a brand. I'm sure they carry other places, but it's HME. Hunt Made Easy or Hunting Made Easy. And they sell a butcher kit. It's a small like paring knife a large butcher knife with a gut hook, and a bone saw. And it's a very affordable price. The set that I have is $34. It's listed on there right now on their website. I don't know what it'll be at the time of listening to this recording with inflation and everything else, but that's what it is when I just looked it up. When I was a professional hunter and guide, I bought this set. Who knows how many animals I cut open with it, butchered with it. And when I stop being a professional hunter and guide, I'm kind of a minimalist. My wife and I live in a very small place, a very, you know, humble cottage, as they say. Anyway, this, those two knives kind of became our go-to kitchen knives. They're like the only real knives besides butter knives that are in our kitchen. And that should tell you something. They sharpen easy. They're good knives. They have a good coating so they don't rust. I'm sure you could spend a lot more money and a lot better stuff, but they work and they're good. And even if you don't have this set, don't let that stop you. You can literally take any sharp knife, and it's probably better than what our ancestors had to do this with. So don't let that stop you. But Hunt Made Easy, Midway USA, they have a set. They have a couple of different sets, but the one that I have is just a small knife, the bigger knife with the gut hook, and the bone saw. And I honestly don't ever, I don't know that I ever used a bone saw. But just a really cool set. The next tip involves making jerky. And what alpha male doesn't like jerky? I guess there could be an alpha male that doesn't like jerky, but I don't know that I've ever met one. So let me tell you something about making jerky. You don't need a fancy, super expensive dehydrator to make jerky. You probably have an oven. So here's all you need to make jerky. An oven and meat and salt. So, at one water. So, take your meat, cut it into thin strips, dip it into salt water. And when I say salt water, I mean salt with just enough water to make it slimy. Not like, not like you would think of seawater. I'm talking about really thick, goopy. You dip the meat in there, 
and then you hang it on the oven rack. If you have a wife and she's anything like my wife, to stop an argument or a fight, you may want to put some aluminum foil down at the bottom of that oven so that all that grease and all that blood does not drip down to the bottom of the oven. If you're a single dude, who cares? Don't worry about it. Just, you know, lose your deposit when you move out. Not a big deal. But all you need is that oven. Put it on the lowest setting. Take a wooden spoon or something that's not going to burn and prop that oven open an inch or two. Take those oven racks out. Take those thin strips of meat. And all you really need for this is, uh, like I said, salt. That salt solution or just rub it with dry salt. That's really all you need. Obviously, you may want to add something else. I really like salt and vinegar, so I'll do the salt thing, and instead of water, I'll use vinegar. But you can literally do it with anything as long as there's salt in it and nothing that's going to go bad in the seasoning. But any kind of like salt and garlic, salt and pepper and garlic, ghost pepper, crushed red pepper, you know, whatever flavor you like. And you take the thin strips of meat, lamb on the oven. You keep it, like I said, on the lowest setting and keep the door propped open with the wooden spoon. And then when the meat looks like jerky, it's jerky. Take it out and eat it. That's really all there is, guys. You don't have to overcomplicate stuff to make your own butchering or to make your own jerky. And if you calculate what the skimpy little bags of generally beef jerky come in and how much they cost and the amount of beef jerky you can make from slaughtering a deer... Well, I guess it wouldn't be beef jerky. I guess it would be venison jerky, to be technical. But the amount of jerky you can make with, you know, 150-pound deer and do the math on that and get it just the way you want it and without a bunch of artificial preservatives and chemicals in there you probably don't need. You know, just making the jerky could be a manly pursuit. You could just buy a big chunk of meat at the store and, and do this. If you didn't feel like getting it a butcher, you could literally buy a whole big chunk of roast and slice it thin. And trim it down and make jerky if you wanted to do that. So I hope that was worth listening. I hope you guys like this. And if you do, let me know so we can do some more of it. Thanks, guys. Have a blessed day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine. But we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.